Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. Held in Brussels, the safe gas for a safe winter package is likely to have little impact on the trajectory of individual EU countries in their use of gas. This week, most Euronet Plus radio stations have been busy following the European Energy Council on Tuesday, the 26th of July. Faced with further cuts in gas supplies to Europe from Russia and the threat of an even bigger energy war, the EU needs to make sure it can use its gas wisely to get through the winter. The hike in energy prices that the bloc is experiencing since 2021 has been exacerbated by Russia's weaponizing of its methane exports to the EU. On Wednesday, Moscow has further reduced these gas deliveries via Nord Stream 1 to 20% of the pipeline's capacity. In a so-called safe gas for a safe winter package, member states jointly agreed to reduce CH4 consumption by around 15% by the 1st of August until the end of the winter. The move has been greeted in Brussels. The current reduction is voluntary. It could only become mandatory if a security of supply alert is triggered. This can happen in two cases. Either if at least five EU countries that are in a state of alert at national level request it, or if there is a significant risk of a serious gas shortage or exceptionally high gas demand. Member states remain sovereign in their energy policy. Measures to harness gas consumption will be their own choice. After the meeting, Italy's energy minister, Roberto Cingolani, said that the agreement was eventually adapted to the specificities of the member states. Radio 24 covers the story. It is basically a one-off regulation on gas savings, which are quantified at 15%, first on a voluntary basis, and then it can become mandatory in the case of energy emergency a mechanism which should be triggered by the Council and not the Commission. So, we are talking about a period from the 1st of August to the 31st of March, so these are short and transitional periods. The important thing is that this 15% was then calculated according to the local conditions in the different countries based on what exists. It's not only the energy mix, but also how much energy they export, how they are interconnected. So initially it was 15%, let's say the same for everybody which was a bit complicated to manage. Now it's specialized almost country by country. Indeed, several derogations and exemptions have been provided for, which would allow countries to reduce their gas rationing target. One of these exemptions applies to countries that have exceeded their gas storage facility filling targets, that is at least 80% of their capacity. This is the case for Poland, whose climate minister, Anna Moskva therefore believes that it would be unfair to accept a mandatory reduction. This was our goal during the negotiations, to get recognition for our efforts to fill the warehouses and the voluntary reduction efforts that firms and industries have taken. Polish society is ready to save, but on the basis of individual decisions, not on the basis of coercion. We do not need any restrictions nor constraints. Member States with limited gas interconnections with the rest of the bloc, and which can demonstrate that this gas infrastructure is at its maximum capacity to divert as much liquefied natural gas as possible to other member states, 
can also benefit from an exemption. Spain is in this case, and the country's environment minister, Teresa Ribera, said Madrid would indeed apply for a derogation. She added her country would apply a reduction of between 7% and 8% in gas consumption on a voluntary basis. As Radio Castilla y León shares her comments. We have been working for some time on several measures that we believe are important, promoting savings and efficiency. A lot of consumption, especially in households, is related to these kind of solutions, insulation and the way we heat or cool our homes. But many solutions have to do with the behavior of families. For this reason, beyond proposing facilities to introduce solar roofs, heat pumps and cooling as opposed to thermal boilers, we believe it is important to appeal to the responsibility of citizens. But the bulk of this rationing will be carried by the EU's industry. Socio-Democrat MEP Svetlina Penkova told our colleagues at BNR. She added that Bulgaria would probably not seek for a derogation. The main impact will unfortunately be on industry, which is the biggest consumer of this resource. They are expected to reconfigure production where possible and to turn to alternative energy sources where absolutely all the ones we have in Europe are now allowed. Even the ones that were, therefore, more controversial in view of the Green Deal. We're talking about coal. In Austria and Germany, for example, they're opening up coal-fired power stations that weren't operating before. Nuclear power is also seen as an important source that will support industry as far as possible. But the aim is not to limit the consumption of European citizens. While the EU gas deal is good news, it is feared that the EU's call to reduce gas consumption on a voluntary basis now is likely to remain largely unheeded. But it will pave the way for the future. Slovenian Infrastructure Minister Bojan Kumer is convinced that, and I quote, a lot of things, end of quote, have to go wrong for such an emergency to actually happen, as RTV Slow reports. But EU countries must work on implementing voluntary measures if they want to avoid an emergency situation in the future. Ljubljana is preparing emergency legislation to deal with this eventuality. In the end, if all these measures on a voluntary basis do not really work at the recommended level, more stringent measures will probably have to be taken. At the end of the day, the legal obligation remains. In the intervention legislation we are preparing, there will be a legal basis for the government to also react with tougher measures. I hope it won't come to that. In an interview with our colleagues at Radio Romagna, Professor Stefan Popescu points to more flaws in the EU plan. First of all, this agreement works mostly on paper. We do not know exactly how much European countries will save. Why is this gas reduction important? Because it is very difficult for the EU to replace the huge amount of gas it imports from the Russian Federation. 
Firstly, it takes time to invest in increasing the production capacity of the producing countries. And secondly, there is also an infrastructure problem. There is no point in having gas if you secure more gas but have nothing to bring it in. First of all, you need pipelines that are big enough to carry the amount of gas needed to replace the gas from Russia. Or you need LNG tankers, so you need ships. And you need regasification terminals in Europe. And Europe's biggest gas consumer, Germany, has no regasification terminals, so cannot import LNG. The construction of these terminals, because Germany has embarked on some projects to build these floating terminals, also takes time. It is a very complicated situation, which will affect, and we have to say this, the foundations of European economic competitiveness. It is a very big challenge, given that we also have the Green Deal targets. Germany, which is particularly dependent on Russian gas, is indeed primarily concerned by the need to reduce its own gas consumption, especially as its alternatives remain scarce. There are no LNG import terminals in Germany at present, which means that the country is more exposed to Russian gas cuts than any other country in the bloc. In the meantime, Berlin has secured floating LNG import terminals, some of which should already be operational by the end of the year. This energy security dilemma is pushing Germany to reconsider its energy policy. Among the avenues discussed in Berlin are digging up the North Sea for oil and gas, but also reconsidering the role of nuclear power. After the 2011 Fukushima disaster, nuclear plants are to be phased out in the country by the end of 2022. A decision already enshrined in law. Our German member IMS shares a comment from Christian Lindner, Germany's finance minister. He was speaking after a cabinet meeting on Wednesday. Furthermore, I recommend that we have a non-ideological discussion about the oil and gas deposits that exist in Europe. For a long time, this topic has not been touched upon because they were also considered uneconomical. In other words, the costs of developing oil and gas deposits were too high in view of world market prices. Now, however, the framework conditions have changed in such a way that these energy sources, for example, oil and gas, in the North Sea are suddenly competitive and that we have to deal with possible shortages. Should we consider a new strategy for the medium term, we must also take this into account, namely both nuclear energy and domestic oil and gas reserves. There are rumours that even the Green Party, traditionally opposed to the use of nuclear energy, could accept a temporary suspension. But Germany's Minister for Economic Affairs, Robert Habeck, who is also a member of the Green Party, has initially rejected the revival of nuclear power in Germany on the basis of feasibility issues. The nuclear power plants that are no longer on the grid should be recharged. In any case, this is a license renewal. This can hardly be done by Christmas, or I would say not at all. And above all, fuel elements would have to be procured. So that doesn't help us at all. For the three nuclear power stations that are still in operation, it is, in terms of the amount of gas, infinitesimally small. In Germany, we consume about a thousand terawatt hours 
hours of gas. We're talking about two to seven terawatt hours, maybe ten, which can still make a contribution, the contribution in the range of zero point something. Panorama now takes a break and will resume with the weekly podcast in September. Until then, we wish you all around the network a great summer vacation.